Welcome to Bible Study for Progressives, a show where moderates, liberals, and leftists of all faiths and ideologies come together to discuss scripture, spirituality, and politics. We engage scripture in its historical context, plumb its depths for wisdom and guidance, and apply its lessons to current events and social issues. Whether you're a liberal evangelical, a New Age spiritualist, a social justice activist, or a postmodern theologian, there's something in this show for you. Come, be energized in spirit and mind to understand the word and what it means to be a spiritual person in today's world. In the last regular episode, episode 32, we saw how Jesus uses parables to hide his teaching about strategy and hope from the authorities. We also saw that the use of parables and how they reveal truth to some and hide it from others was a literary device in ancient Israelite literature to talk about the fall of empires. The prophetic and apocalyptic books had used parables this way for centuries to maintain hope in the people that the empires would fall and a new world order of peace and justice would be born. For centuries, they had held out this hope. Today, we will see how Jesus builds on that long tradition of hope, telling parables that conceal from some and reveal to others the secret hopes for a new society. My name is Bert Newton, and this is episode 33 of Bible Study, Parody and Subversion in Matthew's Gospel. Let's read this whole section of Matthew 13, 24 to 43. Three parables with the explanation of one of them. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. Then the slave said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds, you uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them into bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, 
It is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Jesus told the crowd all these things in parables. Without a parable, he told them nothing. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth to speak in parables. I will proclaim what has been hidden from the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man, the field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will collect out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. So Jesus starts off with the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Like in the parable of the sower at the beginning of the chapter, we get the image of seeds being sown. In the last episode, we learned that the term seed in the literature of ancient Israel was a euphemism for male sperm and the offspring that it produces. This seed populates the nation, creates it, so to speak. Then, when the nation has been decimated by a foreign power, the prophets talk of the seed being sown again. These prophetic passages about seed being sown paint word images of the nation being reborn and liberated from its oppressors. Jesus similarly talks about liberation and rebirth, but in these Matthew parables, the seed is not the male sperm and its offspring. The interpretation in the parable of the sower that Jesus gives, which we looked at in the last episode, tells us that the seed is the word of God. The interpretation of the parable of the wheat and weeds that Jesus gives that we are looking at in this episode tells us that the good seed are the children of the kingdom. In other words, whereas seed in the tradition was the male sperm and its offspring, seed in Jesus' parables is the word of God and the offspring that it produces. In other words, the seed is the message of the new society, the kingdom of heaven, and produces children or disciples for that society. But the parable of the wheat and the weeds tells us that the message of the new society is not the only message out there. The enemy also has a message. The enemy also has this kind of seed, or more specifically, bad seed. You see, the Roman Empire had its message, its propaganda sometimes filtered down through the puppet governments in the provinces such as Israel. Their teaching or propaganda also takes root in people and produces its children, its disciples. So the children of the new society and the children of the old society, the empire, grow together side by side, the good seed and the bad seed.
So the kingdoms of this world advance through the seed of the fathers, but also through the seed of their message, their propaganda. And they also advance through military violence, conquering other people. But the kingdom of heaven, or the new society, spreads only by the seed that is its message. And it spreads among the kingdoms of this world. It does not advance on the kingdoms of this world militarily. It does not use violence. The parable of the wheat and weeds reinforces the nonviolent aspect of the new society. When the people of the new society see the weeds, i.e. the offspring of the old society, they are not to try to pull them up, to destroy them, to kill them. Rather, they are to leave them there. Leave judgment to God. Human disciples of the new society are to practice tolerance and love of enemies as Jesus taught earlier in this story. The new society does not advance through conquering militarily. Rather, it infiltrates the old society, spreading through it. But wait, the parable didn't really make that clear. In the parable of the wheat and weeds, the children of the new society are there first, and the children of the old society are planted It sounds like the old society infiltrates the new society. Well, no parable can do it all, so Jesus continues with two more parables to make the picture more complete. Jesus tells the noticeably shorter parable of the mustard seed. So short, in fact, that I'll just read it again. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, But when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. This is a short and simple parable, but not as simple as it may sound to us. You see, again, we have the image of the seed, but now it is specifically a mustard seed that grows into the greatest of shrubs and then into a tree where the birds nest. So it is both a shrub and a tree. What we have here is something like the first parable in that it starts out very normal, an image that the peasants would be very familiar with, and then at the very end suddenly turns into something very abnormal, something that would not normally happen, something supernatural, for lack of a better word. This is sort of like the modern literary device of magical realism, so common in Latin American literature today. You see, in the natural order of things, a mustard plant doesn't become a tree. As the parable says, at first, it's a shrub. So we have two images, a shrub and a tree. Let's explore the shrub image first. The black mustard plant is somewhat of an uncontrollable, invasive shrub that grows wild in that part of the world. One scholar who has written about it puts it this way, After it has been planted, it spreads rapidly and cannot be stopped. It cannot be gotten rid of easily, so it becomes a nuisance. So the image here of the new society of the kingdom of heaven is of a plant that starts out small, almost undetectable, but then grows and takes over. That is what the new society is like. It starts in backwater Galilee, 
among a small group of peasants, but it will grow clandestinely among the kingdoms of the world, a nuisance to the authorities, to the powers that be in the old society. Now for the image of the tree. Jesus says that it grows into a tree where birds nest. This transformation into a tree would stick out to the original audience that would have been very familiar not only with the black mustard shrub that does not grow into a tree, but also with the texts from the prophets that speak of empires or kingdoms as trees in which birds nest. Let me read a few examples from the prophets of this image of tall trees in which birds nest. Ezekiel proclaims, Consider Assyria, a cedar of Lebanon, with fair branches and forest shade and of great height, its top among the clouds. The waters nourished it, the deep made it grow tall, making its rivers flow around the place it was planted, sending forth its streams to all the trees of the field. So it towered high above all the trees of the field. Its boughs grew large and its branches long from the abundant water in its shoots. All the birds of the air made their nest in its boughs. That's Ezekiel 31, 4-6. And then there is another image in Daniel. The book of Daniel allegedly speaks of the Babylonian Empire of the 6th century BCE, but in reality, it spins parables about the Seleucid Empire of the 2nd century BCE, during the time it was written. In chapter 4 of the book, in a description of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, we get this passage. There was a tree at the center of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew great and strong. Its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the ends of the whole earth. Its foliage was beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and it provided food for all. The animals of the field found shade under it. The birds of the air nested in its branches. That's Daniel 4, 10-12. And finally, Ezekiel again, this time speaking of the rebirth of the nation of Israel. Ezekiel proclaims, On the mountain heights of Israel I will plant it. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in the shade of its branches. That's Ezekiel seventeen twenty-three. This is what the new society, the kingdom of heaven, is like, says Jesus. The new society spreads by its message, starting small, undetectable, but grows into a large, uncontrollable nuisance bush, and then into a tall tree, giving refuge to birds and supplanting the empire, supplanting the kingdoms of this world. And notice in those prophetic passages that the trees produce fruit, and provide food for all, a theme present in the parable of the sower that we looked at in the last episode that begins Matthew 13. One scholar who has written on this passage suggests that the black mustard plant, being an invasive plant, would make a garden or field ritually unclean hinting that the new society spreads through the unclean masses. 
This not only adds to the subversive tenor of the parable, but perhaps also leads into the next, even shorter parable in verse 33, a parable that is only one sentence long. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Now, just to be clear, although in the English translation that I read, heaven and leaven rhyme, that only happens in English. They don't rhyme in Greek. Leaven was understood in both Israelite and Gentile literature as corrupting or contaminating. The books of Exodus and Leviticus name it as something that would contaminate sacrifices. Plutarch, a Greek philosopher and Roman citizen, writing around the same time as the author of Matthew, said the following about leaven. Leaven is itself also the product of corruption and produces corruption in the dough with which it is mixed. Given that background, Jesus' short parable describing the new society as leaven that works through the whole dough presents us with another word image of the new society as a subversive movement that spreads nonviolently through the unclean masses of the old society until its message and ethos have transformed the whole society. The narrator then tells us that Jesus would only speak to the crowds in parables, again letting us know that he is hiding these messages of strategy and hope from the authorities and revealing them to the wise and the crowds, his disciples in private, and the audience of the story who would recognize it as a literary signal that the powers of this world are about to fall. The narrator tells us that the things being revealed have been hidden since the foundation of the world. The foundation of the world sounds to us modern people like it is referring to the creation of planet Earth because we have more of a conception, thanks to science, of our existence on this globe and that we are part of nature. That is our world. But ancient people would have understood their world more as a social entity. Their current world was the world of the Roman Empire, and their historical world was the world dominated by kings and other empires. And it was that world that had hidden the things now being revealed in the parables. The message of the new society, the seed being sown, proclaims that a new, radically egalitarian world where there is abundant food for everyone is emerging. That is the great secret. The kings and empires of this world do all they can to suppress movements like this and react violently against this message. They try to hide from the people the secret that another world of abundance for everyone is possible. They hide that possibility because they organize the world so that the wealth flows to them, leaving only scraps for the poor. So the parables are revealing to the audience of the story and to the wise in the story things hidden by the rulers since the foundation of the world.
One thing to notice here is that when Jesus talks to his disciples again, apart from the crowds, they don't ask him the meaning of the mustard seed parable or the leaven parable, but only the meaning of the parable of the wheat and the weeds. I think that's because the parable of the wheat and the weeds ends differently than the two shorter parables that follow it. The two smaller parables, the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven, end in the new society supplanting or at least completely infiltrating and transforming the old society. They end in victory. The parable of the wheat and the weeds ends in the children of the old and new societies, the wheat and the weeds, having grown together until the end. There is no final victory for the new society until the very end when God and the angels intervene. Jesus' disciples have a harder time with the parable of the wheat and the weeds, because unlike the other two parables, the new society does not victoriously supplant the old society. And we might wonder about that contradiction as well. The parables all tell the same story, but with different emphases. The parable of the wheat and the weeds emphasizes nonviolence, tolerance, love of enemy, and an enduring struggle for a just society. The parables of the mustard seed and the leaven emphasize victory. But at the time that the Gospel of Matthew was first being read to its original audience, it had been at least 50 years since Jesus had told these parables. And while the community of disciples was growing, the empire was still very dominant, with no end in sight. And of course, for us now in the 21st century, it has been 2,000 years. And the new society has still not supplanted the old. We need all three parables. The first one to let us know that the struggle for a new society is an enduring struggle. And the second two parables to give us hope for victory. And I think that victory occurs whenever we take up the struggle for justice. The struggle against the spirit that animates the old society. Just taking up the struggle is a victory in itself, forming communities that struggle together, communities that the author of Matthew will later in his story identify with a word that is translated into English as church. Forming these communities is victory and begins to supplant the old society. And winning nonviolent campaigns for society-wide justice is also victory. But the struggle goes on. It is never complete. Even the most egalitarian societies have to struggle against the tendencies of the flesh to want to dominate, to reintroduce the demons of oppression. So the two shorter parables emphasize victory. But it is a victory that is never complete until the end of the world, until all is finished. The parable of the wheat and weeds, on the other hand, emphasizes continued nonviolent struggle. The paradox of victory and continuing struggle creates a tension that is present throughout the story of Jesus in Matthew. And it is a tension that is present in the story of our times as well. My name is Bert Newton. The music for this episode was provided by Bob Nolte and David Martin. Please help us draw more listeners by spreading the word about our podcast. 
rating it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else you can, and by leaving written reviews. You can support the podcast financially through PayPal. Just send the donation to subversivewisdom at gmail.com. You can also send me questions and comments at that address, subversivewisdom at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This has been Episode 33 of Bible Study, Parody and Subversion in Matthew's Gospel. This has been Bible Study for Progressives. If you enjoyed the program, please subscribe to our podcast or put us in your favorites and write a five-star review. Tell your friends about us and share us on social media. Follow us on Facebook and click the donate button at modernlectionaries.blogspot.com. Your support will help us reach more people, produce more and better shows, and cover the cost of production. Feel free to send me a note or comment on the show. I would love to hear from you. Until next time, this is Rich Proceda. Thank you for listening.